When I was at Orbitz, Graphite was developed there. I had nothing to do with it except for complaining about the UI. It's time for Arrested DevOps, the podcast where we help you achieve understanding, develop good practices, and operate your team and organization for maximum DevOps awesomeness. I'm Matt, and today we're talking about some of the interesting things going on with the DevOps community in Chicago with a pretty cool panel. And the show notes for this episode can be found at ArrestedDevOps.com slash WindyCity. But first, a word from our sponsors. Arrested DevOps is brought to you by 10th Magnitude, a company that figures if you're listening to this podcast, you must be pretty cool. 10th Magnitude empowers businesses to better collaborate across teams and achieve IT transformation using cloud. They enable customers to innovate, automate, and accelerate by leveraging the power of Microsoft Azure. You can find out more at arresteddevops.com slash 10th Magnitude. This episode is also brought to you by Hired. Hired is a platform for top developer jobs, and they love DevOps people. Developers get an average of five to 10 offers on the platform, all with just one application, along with job offers and salary and equity up front before you interview. So you don't have to waste your time interviewing for jobs that you you might not want anyway. And ADO listeners get double the $2,000 bonus just for signing up at ArrestedDevOps.com slash hired. And finally, this episode is brought to you by VictorOps. Built for modern incident management, VictorOps provides a unified platform for real-time alerting, collaboration, and documentation. Driven by your IT and DevOps system data, VictorOps helps you to respond to incidents more effectively so you can minimize downtime and make being on call suck less. Visit ArrestedDevOps.com slash VictorOps to schedule a demo or start your trial. Mention you heard about VictorOps on Arrested DevOps and you'll be eligible for some sweet discounts too. So I might be a little biased, but I do think that uh, there's some pretty cool stuff going on in Chicago that is in the technology and DevOps space, in addition to the pizza and large building and steak space, too. I, that, I So I kind of had this idea a while ago to say I wanted to talk on the show about what we're doing in DevOps, in technology in Chicago, why this area is different. Uh, kind of spurred by something Jay Paul Reed said on an episode of our show after uh, DevOps Days 20, Chicago 2014, where he's like, hey, I'm talking to people that are like doing companies that are real things, not Uber for kittens and stuff. So uh, I thought I'd bring on a panel of some some pretty cool local guests. Um, first guest on the panel is Jeff Smith. Hey, thanks, Matt. My name is Jeff Smith. I'm a manager of site reliability engineering at Grubhub. Uh, hopefully when you're hungry and you're looking for something to uh, eat, you're using our site. Uh, we've been probably about two and a half to three years inside of this DevOps uh, culture transformation inside the org. And I largely serve as uh, not just the manager of the SRE team, but as sort of the DevOps cheerleader in the organization. Been in Chicago for about 10 years, love the city, not going anywhere and uh, excited to be on the panel. Next on our panel is Jerry Cattle. Jerry, Jerry Cattell. Cattell. I, <laughs> I should know better. Hi, I'm Jerry. So I've been, I'm the VP of engineering for a small medical startup called LifeSquare that's completely remote. I've been doing that for about a year. You're VP of engineering? Yeah, 
but there's like four of us, so you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I just I didn't title. know. I just I just know Jerry does cool stuff, and I was like, I didn't know you were like a. It's a title. Yeah, yeah, but you don't work at a bank, so it's a real title. Hopefully, I get to hire more people. You know? <laughs> so I've been in Chicago for, I guess, about twelve or thirteen years now, and. I started in Chicago from Orbitz, which is, I'm sure, a company we'll talk about a bit. And yeah, I've, I'm one of the organizers for the DevOps meetup here in Chicago and also one of the organizers for DevOps Day Chicago. Awesome, which we'll be talking about quite a bit. And uh, rounding out our panel of Chicago DevOps celebrities is uh, Samir Doshi. So, Samir, tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what the listeners have won. <laughs> I'm Samir Doshi. If you tweet me, you'll win a prize, but I won't say what it was. It could be anything. Uh, I've been at Kcura, a legal e-discovery company based out of Chicago, founded in Chicago uh, for two years. I am a DevOps architect there, but I really want my Wikipedia article to say I'm a DevOps enthusiast. So anything we can do in this episode to make that happen... Let's make it happen. I, I've been helping Kiro with a, a transition to a much more DevOps culture as we shift from offering a on-premise application for e-discovery to offering a hybrid application and offering our services as a SaaS application as well. I want to like start with a little bit. We all alluded, I think, to kind of what we're doing now. Well, I guess I didn't, but people know. By the way, I work at Chef. Okay, ta-da. Okay. Anyway, kind of, you know, but everyone kind of gave a little bit of background about how long they've been in Chicago, been working in Chicago. So I personally have spent... I almost said almost my entire technology career in Chicago, but honestly, it has been my entire technology career in Chicago. So I've been working in Chicago for about 20 years in the IT community, primarily for insurance and financial institutions, because that's pretty much usually where you work in Chicago, or at least what most people think of when they think you know, of the, the classic IT community in the Chicagoland area. Because we've got a lot of organizations like Aon, uh, Allstate, Bank One, well, now Chase, but previously, you know, Bank One was was a big uh, piece of that. You know, Heller Financial back in the day, and then one of my gigs, uh, pretty much right before I, I guess, right when I was starting to become a DevOps. <laughs> when I was starting to whet my DevOps appetite was the tail end of, of a gig at a company called Classified Ventures, which is one of the oldest uh, e-commerce, quote unquote, startups in the Chicagoland area. And nobody knows what Classified Ventures is, but lots of people have heard of cars.com or apartments.com. Some people have heard of homefinder.com. And they definitely have heard of a business that some of the folks from Homefinder who left went and started called grubhub.com. Uh, Jeff, I I didn't know if you do. I don't know if you know that whole classified ventures story. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty familiar with that, and uh, you know, I actually learned it. So it's funny. I don't even know if he remembers, but the CEO Matt Maloney. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually met him at a Twitter meetup, and uh, it was probably like 2007, and uh, he was trying to get me to come on board. And I was just new to Chicago and I was like, ah, startup thing. It seems a little risky. (laughs) Maybe I'll go work at Accenture instead. That's safe. (laughs) So that didn't work out the way I hoped it would have. But, you know, I finally came around and made the right choice. But if I had made the right choice to be on a boat right now doing this podcast. (laughs) A lot of overlap in this, in this, the industry in general, but I find Chicago's community, if you will, or not tight knit. I mean, that that sounds bad to say it's not tight knit and we all like each other, but you cross paths with the same people over and over and over again. I mean, do, do you all see that? 
Definitely. It's, it's a really, you know, I don't know. I, I always think of it as like a really tight community. And, you know, it, it's funny because like I've seen on occasion where people like on the way out the door, light the match and burn the bridge. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, that's, that's going to come back and haunt you a little bit because you know, you're like you say, you're, you're constantly, especially when you're talking about quality people, you're constantly sort of running into the same group or, or, group of friends of friends uh and uh you know that's both exciting to me and at the same time you know can be damaging if you're uh if you don't play the game right <laughs> so but now that being said i guess that's a good question so like i've i said have i've spent my entire career working in chicago unless the rest of you have had very short careers that's not been the case so can you tell us a little bit about where you have been besides chicago and what you've seen to be a little different so before i was in chicago i started off in boston and then, and then i was in new york uh, and i was working for a, a bank a little startup bank called city and city had offices obviously around the world and around the country and you know we had some exciting tech and it was in new york everything was really exciting but I really needed to be closer to my parents. So for me, the decision was pretty clear that we wanted to move to a place where uh, where my wife and I could both be close to our parents and where we could uh, kind of drive around where we needed to go. So family reasons, right? And the strangest thing happened when we moved to Chicago. There wasn't just closer family personally. It was also the work culture was very different. It got to be a very, I don't know, almost like a close family kind of thing that you would have at work. You would talk about personal stuff. Uh, you, you would make jokes. You know, you could go into work every day and say, hey, did you guys see that ludicrous display last night? And people would, uh, you know, not really catch on that you hadn't seen any baseball because you don't know what baseball is. Uh, but it, it was a very, very different kind of atmosphere. And that really... For me, it really showed when you know, on, on my first day at Kikura, I'm you know go through the orientation, and when I finally get a chance to sit at my desk, one of the first things first things I did is look through our Outlook directory because I'm a nerd. That's what I like to do, and see you know do I recognize any of these names? And oddly enough, I totally did. Like Matt, you were in there. Uh, Trevor Hess, he was in there. And I was like, I know those guys from from the the podcast. So I thought that that's kind of cool. Over the next few years, as you know, as people became friends at Kikura, as I started to know more of the community, I realized that I'd see the same people, the same resumes, uh, if we're trying to hire or even just going to the different meetups, you'd see the same people again and again and again. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was, it was like that family atmosphere that you get at work. It just happened to also be there in the community in general. The family atmosphere extended not just to being nice and talking to each other at work and actually trying to work through problems, you know, like true DevOps culture, right? It also extended to just how you work. Uh, when people needed to leave, they, they left. Uh, the work hours did not appear to be as crazy as they were in New York because of long commutes or what have you. A very different, more friendly atmosphere, more suburban atmosphere is how I would describe it. So I uh, start, I grew up in Miami, and so that's where my technical career started. I worked for FedEx, the Latin American division. So I got to do lots of traveling, going to lots of very nice tropical places um, for year 2000 things, switching out computers. Nice job to have. And then I moved from there to the Bay Area, actually. And I was there for probably four or five years. 
I mean, there's, there's, it's definitely a huge change. I mean, you mentioned before of like Uber for this or, and, and I was there during the probably huge bubble where like, I, I think I got there in 1999 or something like that. So I, I was there for the highest part. And then for the crash, when the startup I went to work for ran out of money and everything. Ah, pets.com. <laughs> no, no, they, they were out of business way before us. <laughs> Basically, uh, my wife got an opportunity out here in Chicago and I thought it'd be interesting to, so I, I started researching all the companies and, and of course, when you start looking online, all you really see initially are banks, lots and lots of banks some trading companies and stuff like that. I mean, and because this was around 2003, 2004. Mm. Um, and then the one company that really stood out when I was looking was orbits. So I interviewed the couple companies, there was orbits and UBS Orbitz was taking a long time to get back to me, so I unfortunately took the, took the job with UBS and was there for, I want to say, three months before I quickly left and took a full-time position at Orbitz, realizing I had made a horrible, horrible mistake. And, and that was sort of the last time I worked for anything in the finance industry. But yeah, in, in terms of culture, it's, it's definitely a, a different environment uh, and from the Bay Area specifically. I think there is definitely more hanging out at least for, for me since I've been in Chicago with my coworkers and everything. And, and there is definitely the, that I did not experience in there was like the train times. Like, I mean, here come what five thirty, six thirty on the hour, pretty much after that is the, the people leaving. So that, that was definitely a difference for me to get used to as well. Since I, I'd never really lived in a place like that. It depends on the train time so much, but yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting seeing sort of all of these, I mean, from orbits, they grew a ton and many companies grew out of people who cashed out of there, created their new, new startups and just have gone on to many, many things. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a tighter community where you do get to see all the same people at various jobs again and again. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons I've gotten involved in sort of meetups so much here is, is because I feel there's a good community around here. I mean, like for the DevOps meetup, anytime I want, it's, it's companies are willing to host us are willing to sponsor the, the meetups, willing to give talks. Like it's, it's a, it's a pretty active community, which has been definitely great to have. We, we interrupt this broadcast to update you on the Cubs game score. So it is the top <laughs> of the first Cubs are still up one to nothing. Those of you who are listening now uh, are listening to this later. This is being recorded during uh, game five of the national league championship series of Cubs versus Dodgers. You listening in the future know how this happened. You know if we're going to be in a good mood or not later on. We don't know that. I, I didn't realize when I scheduled this. I was like, oh, great. Awesome. Um, also, we didn't ask. I, I should have done the straw poll at the beginning if we're Cubs or Sox fans. Although I'm the only native son, I think, right? Like, y'all are all... Jeff, you're not from Chicago either, right? Not from Chicago, but I've been since I've been in Chicago. I've been living around Wrigley, uh, so <laughs> like a mile and a half away from there now. So uh, I've been a Cubs fan since I've come, and uh, love it. I'd been taking a break for baseball for a while too, so it was easy to pick up a new team. Well, I, I will say that. I, so I am rooting for the Cubs in this year because, because I mean, lived in Chicago long enough that, that I, I've they're kind of my adopted team. But but I will say, I, I since I grew up in Miami and was there when the Marlins started. Ah. Uh. I, I I was actually you know watching during the Bartman series, <laughs> rooting for the Marlins in that case. Mute them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <but that's- laughs> 
It's the same thing, Jerry. Actually, uh, I'm, when I was there in Boston, the thing that I really, really learned was to love the Red Sox. So I guess I'm a, a Sox fan, probably <laughs> just not the right color socks. <laughs> That's an American League team, so it's wrong anyway. But. <laughs> what, what do I know about baseball, right? Yeah, right. But that's uh, we'll, 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 we'll continue to follow along and, and keep, keep you listeners posted on this thing that you already know what the answer is because you're listening in the future. Jeff, what, and again, I don't want to kind of get too, too much into all the, the different stuff, but different geos where you've lived, is there anything that strikes you as, as different. So I, I grew up in upstate New York um, and I, I worked at an HML for like 10 years before I realized like, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to think every place is fucked up like this place. So uh, that's kind of what, uh, you know, brought us to Chicago. It was a choice between a, a job in San Francisco, a job in Chicago. You know, I like the big city thing. I think that for me that was strikingly different was there is, it was the first time that I recognized what a, a difference there is between IT and engineering, right? Like we sort of use this generic technology umbrella. Um, but, you know, the, the mindset and sort of an IT type function is very different than the mindset and sort of an engineering type function. So it was great to see these companies that I, I really didn't have exposure to in upstate New York, where, you know, they were actually encouraging these sort of jack of all trades type of uh, resources, right? Where you weren't specifically siloed off into one particular area. Like you're the sand guy, right? That's what you do. You look at disc all day. Uh, you really needed to be multifaceted. Um, and that was exciting because there was just like, you know, so much opportunity to learn and, and get involved with things. Um, I think the other thing that was striking was just how humble so many people were in Chicago. Imposter syndrome is definitely a thing, but like <clears throat> people were cognizant of it and they were willing to help. They were willing to sort of teach and mentor in a way that I didn't quite experience in New York, where it was much more like information hoarding and, you know, uh, a little bit of shame. Like, oh, you don't have that command line memorized. What's wrong with you, kid? You don't belong here. Uh, so it was it was just sort of a, a warm welcoming from the very beginning. And, and a funny story and talking about like the closeness of things. When I was in uh, when I was living in New York, I started my All Things Dork blog, and I uh, found this guy that was making templates for WordPress for like ten dollars. So I paid him. He pooped one out for me. It was great. I was on it for a while. One of my first meetups in Chicago. I'm talking with this guy. We get along great. And he's like, hey, what's your email address, man? I'd love to email you. I was like, oh, yeah, Jeff at All Things Dork. He's like, holy shit, I'm Matt Wolf. I'm the guy that developed your website like four years. I'm like, get the hell out of here. He's like, yeah. He's like, I totally remember this. So, uh, you know, it's like one of my first connections in Chicago, you know, randomly from New York. Uh, and that, that sort of experience has sort of been like, you know, the norm for me. I always find people that somehow connect to someone else or yeah. somehow we have some sort of shared experience. Je Jeff and I almost started a group blog several years yeah. ago. And <laughs> I didn't put that two and two together until like two years ago. I was like, oh, yeah, it was some so. total random, like, you know, hey, let's do a Geek's Dad blog. And yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's just hilarious how those types of things works out. <laughs> you know, Samir, you've, you've come in to Chicago, full metal DevOps, right? You came to Chicago with the DevOps. You haven't been here through the Chicago becoming the DevOps. Is that a safe statement? That is absolutely a safe and okay. very accurate statement. When I came to Chicago, one of the things that I really brought uh, from New York was a, a real desire to uh, really do the engineering work associated with DevOps. And 
for me, coming into Chicago and coming into a place that was just really at the start of its DevOps journey was such a great experience. The unexpected part of that experience was really seeing an aspect of, of true DevOps, and that is of shared learning while things were in progress. So a lot of times, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this, there's this video online of a person who's built a transmission out of Legos. And the thing is phenomenal, and it's so awesome. And every time I see it, I always think, I really will never be able to build something that complex because there's no instructions. I don't know how to do it. And it kind of discourages you from you know really getting back into like the Lego mechanics and the Lego robotics sets. But you see these things coming out from Google and coming out from you know from from Amazon about things like uh, how to operate a monolithic repo, and you're like, wow, that is a great and fantastic idea. I don't know how we would really get to that, and we can try to plan for it, but it's, it's going to be very tough. Uh, what I liked so much about Kekura and about, about Chicago in general is when you came to Chicago, no matter how much you wanted to do, you could start sharing things that were in progress and get reasonable responses. You weren't getting responses like, this doesn't work. You've got a long way to go to get to where you need to go. Uh, you got really nice responses of, wow, this is great progress. I can see how this is going to build up to where you want to go. So instead of having that you know, Lego transmission, what you got was a slow buildup of, I don't, I don't know, a Lego axle, and then the Lego, you know, the, the, the part of the trans- transmission that spins around. Uh, and you, you get to slowly see that, that buildup happening, coming to Kikura with full on let's let's do this let's do the devops let's get everything to be automated nonstop everything to be source controlled getting the support to really do that from ceo down is amazing amazing and fantastic and it's it's not something i've experienced in in boston or new york one of the things that that i think is is interesting like looking from an adoption perspective and this is something that i saw both with my own career in terms of attempts to be a DevOps. By the way, if you're new to the show, I'm being snarky when I'm referring to myself as a DevOps. And I mean that in two ways. One is to imply that I actually can do anything useful and two, using DevOps as a noun. But so when I also see this in, you know, as, as a chef employee, as we're looking, you know, as someone who primarily worked for the, in the Midwest with adoption with stuff like this, we're kind of slow in the Midwest. But that's that's not because we're hicks and farmers right it's we are you know measure 13 times you know we're going to sit and see and like if you kind of look at the adoption curve of anything i think within tech as a whole we see it hit the west coast then it goes to the east coast banks and then in the midwest we go okay we're cool with it now we're ready to go and i I, and i think we saw that with a lot of stuff with devops right a lot of this stuff kind of came out of bay area startup stuff then it became, and then once it started to become a little more adopted by more traditional East Coast enterprise, we started to feel better about it in this area. But what I think is interesting at the same time this is happening, and this is the beautiful dichotomy of Chicago, we have a lot of very traditional IT here. And then we also have a ton of crazy startup. And, and what's weird is we have very little in between. 
We, think, it's basically you, Samir. It's Kikura, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe not, but and that's something I think a lot of people aren't as aware of outside of maybe outside of the areas is how much kind of incubator startupy kind of stuff that's happening in this town. I think what you're partially speaking to there too is like the sort of Midwest practicality, right? Like, you know, there's all of this like cutting edge technology that comes out of uh, the West Coast and, and New York and you look at it and you have to evaluate like, you know, is this something that's going to be around? Is this something that's going to uh, catch fire, you know, become stable? And the Midwest is not necessarily interested in brand new shiny, right? There, It's about solving actual problems and, and generating revenue. You're like, you can see that when you look at the types of companies that we have, right? We don't have the Uber for kittens, like you're saying, right? We have like things that have relatively straightforward business models, right? We're going to deliver food, right? And we're going to take a slice of that order, you know, problem solved. We don't have anything where it's like, oh, you know, you can, you know, order pizza with 40 characters and, you know, emojis and, you know, hope for the best. It's very, very pragmatic culture. Yeah. So that's something that I actually like because, you know, technologies come and go, right? Um, so it, it's being able to sort of focus on the problems of the business and apply some useful proven technologies without having to exist on the fringe. Because at the end of the day, this is what I tell my guys all the time. It's like, how does this help us deliver food better, right? Like, what is it that we're doing? Is, is this something that is absolutely going to revolutionize what we do? If not, then there's probably something out there that already solves our problem that is tried, true, and trusted. Uh, so I love that about the Midwest, quite honestly. But it goes both ways. I mean, because a, a little bit, because there's definitely things coming out of the Midwest in terms, like, I mean, when I was at Orbitz, Graphite was developed there. I had nothing to do with it except for complaining about the UI, but <laughs> <laughs> which clearly didn't have a huge impact, right? I mean, I mean, I don't think when they created that, they had any idea what sort of impact it would have. But I mean, there was a, a need that they had and found a solution to it in their world. And I think also, um, I've seen a number of like open source things coming out of various companies in Chicago. I mean, like at a DevOps meetup just earlier this week, Gogo was talking about Formast, which is something to help automate the use of Spinnaker for deploying applications and setting up pipelines and stuff. I mean, now it's it's a practical solution to something, but it's also something that no one else seems to have built or at least didn't open source and make available. So I, I think there is lots of innovation still, but it might be focused on solving practical problems. Right. It's and pragmatic I- innovation. It's very, it's to, to not to say that we're, you know, to throw an East Coast thing at, it's very Etsy. Etsy develops cool shit. But they do it because it was to solve a problem for them. It's not like a hammer in search of a nail. And I think that's what you see, right? No one, I don't say no one, I'm sure people are. But generally, the the innovation that's coming out of her is is actually solving a real problem. It's scratching an itch that was there versus saying, I think someone might have this problem. So maybe I should make a thing and then see if anybody wants it. I don't know if that's fair to say other people do things that way. It seems well, like someone's business model wait, somewhere. I, I'd say many times people are doing things that solve their own problems and they hope it works for someone else, but they're not really worried about it. Right. I mean, and I think that's usually the case for a lot of tools. Now there are some people who just think, Hey, this seems cool. Let me do this. But I, I think that's uh, doesn't happen that often. The other I, thing I think that happens a lot with Midwest pragmatism and it's probably due to the fact that we're, we're having to work through, through a lot of problems is uh, 
a true iterative approach to engineering and solving problems, you'll see things that are starting to solve problems, and then you'll see little bits and additions that are made to those things again and again and again and again until we have the the presentation at DevOps Day Chicago that shows something that's so awesome that you know you think, wow, we could really use this. We do have a lot of pipelines. We have the same problem. We have a lot of the same problems versus when I look at some of the new tech out there and I think, well, that does solve a problem that we have, but it's not really a big problem. I guess it must be for someone else. Why not? I always feel that way when looking at some of the things just from a scale perspective that like you see some of these solutions that the Netflixes and the Googles have put out. And I'm like, that looks really cool. But I, those are not my problems that I have. Right. I mean, my problems are of a much smaller nature and are much more about automating stuff or just simplifying things. And I think that sort of is part of the Midwest pragmatism part of it. But I, th- I think there's also a nature, a part of the nature is just um, having sort of some more established companies like the banks and stuff like that, that can't go, crazy with all this. And, and like you said, they do a lot of iterative stuff because they have to, because there's just no other way that they could ever make progress besides doing little systems at a time. And it's funny because we kind of talk about these large institutions, right? That have been around for a while that are a little bit slow, right? They're, they're like these big behemoths, but we talk about them as if they're not making money, right? <laughs> like as if they're not, as if they're not bringing in revenue hand over fist, right? <laughs> so I don't know. There's a, there's a certain bit of kid gloves that we kind of have to, you know, treat these shops and environments with, especially the people that are in them, right? Because, you know, they are a lot of times when I talk to these people at DevOps, they and whatnot, they feel like they are being left behind by the rest of the community because they're not able to adapt or iterate that fast. But, you know, sometimes you have to remember to keep the focus and just say like, hey, look, you're a business that's making money. There's a lot of things at risk, right? So you you may not be able to move as fast as others, but doesn't mean you have to sit still. You can continuously evolve and iterate. Um, just at your own pace. That kind of segues a little bit into talking about, you talk about having conversations at DevOps Days Chicago, and I wanted to kind of talk about how over the three years that we've done it, the types of, I was going to say the types of people, but what I mean by that is the companies that are sending, the types of companies that are sending people. Like when I think about who was there, when I think about like at the first year, and again, this is sort of anecdotal because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm just thinking about people that I knew. I think there was a very small percentage of folks who were from the very traditional companies. Like one person from Allstate was what I knew was there and, you know, kind of thing. And then I think about the conversations that I had with folks hallway track this year. It was a lot of frustrated folks from traditional type shops. But the good thing about the conversations that I thought was number one, that they were frustrated. That's a good sign, right? That's saying like, okay, you know, it was, it was frustrated, but they weren't frustrated in the, yeah, well, this will never fly at my company, right? That's the story I heard two years ago was this all sounds cool, but that'll never work here. What I'm hearing a lot more as this is really hard, And we're not moving as fast as I wish we were. And that's a huge difference than this will never work here. Because now you're to the point that you can do something about it. Or you can just manage your expectation a little better and say, yeah, maybe you aren't going to be full metal DevOps in six months at JP Morgan Chase. Maybe it's going to take you a couple of years to get there. Or maybe you need to look at it in a smaller scope. We're seeing that adapt. We're seeing different folks coming to DevOps days. I think in some ways, Jerry, I don't know what you think. I would say maybe a little bit at the DevOps meetup. I honestly think that we're 
we're still missing people at the DevOps meetup because a lot of these traditional companies are not downtown Chicago. And sure. They don't want, you know, I mean, that's just a, that's a local inside baseball thing, by the way, speaking of baseball, it's now tied one to one. Chicago, <laughs> LA. So great. Yeah. I agree. I mean, cause I, I mean, I know there's been talk of having like a Northwest suburbs meetup or something that, that might get together more with those companies. It's a tough thing to ask for people to come from the suburbs to, to come just for a meetup in an evening. I mean, it's at, that's, so it's at, like, that's yeah, built I, to be at like after work. Right. I mean, that's, that's sort of, and again, not, not to get, but I mean, like, sure if, we started, if we started five 30 though. Right. I mean, yeah. To get downtown, you probably have to leave what I'm just saying. It's 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 a difficult thing to do and 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 ask. But so yeah, and and we do post a lot of videos online, so people can can at least see some of the things. Yeah, it's it's definitely different than networking and actually talking to people and and getting input on your specific problems and and how you might solve that. So I was just but, thinking maybe that's why we saw more of this adopt this change in DevOps days versus totally. the DevOps meetup. Because no, I, I completely agree. I think one thing you mentioned, Matt, that uh, that really could be talked about a bit is talking about like the scope of DevOps in your organization, right? Like you know, people think that when you're doing DevOps, it's got to be this huge top bottom approach, and while that is very effective, you can do DevOps within like a relatively small circle of people that you work with, right? Just starting small and sort of letting that. Expand. So if you're an ops person, right, just spending a little bit of extra time with the dev that you work with the most or, you know, uh, having lunch with the developer team for the service that you support, right, that's sort of the beginning and the genesis of DevOps. And while it's not going to be this huge radical transformation throughout the organization, it's still something that starts and it becomes a seed, it becomes contagious. uh, And before long, people recognize that sort of rapport that you have with developers. People recognize that you understand how your system runs a bit more than the average operations person. Why is that? And you can sort of proselytize that out to the rest of the organization. It really becomes a sort of ground up uh, this sort of groundswell from the bottom up. So I think people really should, should kind of look at these opportunities when they have a chance to uh, cross the aisle with the developers or the operations folks and and really say like, okay, how can we just, even if we pair for like a half hour a day, you know, that's going to bring a lot of uh, knowledge on both sides and it's going to ultimately result in smoother running systems. And Jeff, I don't think it's just bottom up. It's also middle out that we see the uh, groundswell happening. So what we're seeing a lot and what I saw at the DevOps Day Chicago and, and even at Kikura is seeing a lot of one group, like you mentioned, that gets into DevOps or maybe a central team that's establishing best practices, something like that, that happens and starts to build up at DevOps practice. And you don't just see it expanding within the other applications. What you start to see is you start to see developers and engineers really, really getting into it and saying, you know what? I bet we could make our deployments go faster. I, I bet if we if we made these tweaks, tweaks to our build scripts and to our source control management system, we could make our lives a lot easier. Hey, let's let's start doing this. And you start to see without mandate from senior leadership, groups starting to really embrace DevOps. And I saw that at uh, DevOps Day Chicago, there, there was a guy I was having uh, a hallway conversation with who was saying one of the things that's happened at his his bank was that he was getting a lot more involved with engineers who were developing the software and it wasn't being a, hey, 
hey, ops guy, go do that stuff. It was a, hey, how can we help you to do the deployment so you don't have as many errors? Realistically, it was probably so that we're not always, always on call during the, de- the deployment days. But I think it also spoke to the fact that more people want to get engaged because the DevOps movement just makes sense because it makes everyone's life easier. It lets you learn more about how your system works in production if you're a developer and if you're an ops person, it lets you learn about the dev process and what the what happens with the code that you know sometimes you've just been given to deploy. And ultimately, I, I really like the idea of it leading to the the happy place, the, the nirvana state that I see it happening and that I see the DevOps community leading to. And that's where engineers are doing the deployments to production. You have people there who are supporting them, who are actively engaged on the team, engaged throughout the dev process. You see that middle upswell happening all over the place. And I think, you know, the increased exposure between the two teams sort of helps to reveal some of the learned helplessness that happens on both sides of the orgs. And what I mean by that is like developers are like, oh, yeah, I would love to, you know, know more about this, but I don't have access to the, you know, log aggregation system or whatever. You know, ops person hears that and they're like, oh, there's no reason you shouldn't have access to that. Let me correct that now. Or, oh man, this thing pays us again. And, you know, we just do the restart it every time. And the developer hears that and they say, oh, I didn't know this was a problem. You know, this is an easy fix for us. So you get a lot of these sort of like organic wins just from spending more time together as a nature of just, you know, conversating and talking. Like I, I just had a similar scenario where I was up in the knock room and the uh, the phone rings and it's pager duty. And I'm like, oh, what is that? It's like, oh, it's this dumb Splunk alert for log velocity. I was like, oh, you guys get paid for that every time? They're like, yes. I'm like, I can turn that off for you right now. Oh, thank you. Right now I'm a hero. I'm getting donuts and whatnot. Everyone's like, yeah, Jeff for president. Right. Like, uh, but you know, all it took was me sitting upstairs talking with them, stealing a Mountain Dew code red from them. And you know, you know, this sort of fixed comes about organically. So, you know, the increased exposure is always good. You shouldn't diminish the power of groundswell. And that's something that is, first of all, as a vendor, I see the power of it. I see when it happens. So I can tell you, it happens. Now, when you're inside the four walls of your organization, especially if it's a larger organization and you feel powerless, you feel like that could never happen. The first thing is I'm the one telling you that, first of all, no matter what organization you are in right now that you feel is so big that it's not happening or that it couldn't happen, I'm going to tell you there's a part of your organization where it already is happening. It just might not be where you're at. But the fact is it can happen and it will happen and you can be part of it. So don't think that, oh, well, again, that's that's and it's the most effective way, right? Because having the mandate from the CIO that we're now going to dev up all the things at our, you know, Fortune 10 company, that ain't going to magically make the with the DevOps, right? The boots on the ground are, are who's going to do the work. Now, it's good to have the CIO back in you a little bit, too, because otherwise, you know, but there's nothing you can do about that. But you can do something about yourself. And I think that's Jeff, to your point, it's like, what are the things that you can do? And I think a lot of times, folks, especially if you've been working for the same company for the last 20 years, years or the last 25 years, we get a little, uh, I don't want to say myopic, but it's really hard to see that things could be any different. And I think also when we've been in the same, uh, in an organization for a long time, we feel like, okay, yeah, I've, I've heard this all before. 
right? We've heard the thing that's going to save everything and we half-assed it here and it never happened. You feel like you're tilting at windmills. And I think that's maybe that's like this, the, the silly optimist in me that as much as I've been in organizations where we've fallen on our face, I still feel like, okay, just because, you know, we've, we've screwed this up a hundred times before, let maybe, maybe it'll work the hundred and first time, you know, because it's different again, doing the same thing a hundred and one times is stupid. Right. But, <laughs> uh, I, I used to tell my, you know, my team when I was at apartments, I'd be like, I know you can think of a hundred reasons why this won't work. Let's for a minute, let's just pretend it will. Frankly, I think if you're a manager of sysadmins, that's the kind of person you have to be because sysadmins job is to think of the hundred reasons why it won't work, but you need someone to say, okay, that's great. But now for just a second, come along with me and let's let's pretend this is going to work and let's see what'll happen. And there's an incredible amount of power in that sort of thinking, right? When you when you look at a problem and you can say, uh, yes, we're going to get there and the things that we encounter are just problems to solve, that really sort of turns everything on its head in terms of how you go about approaching these things, right? It's very easy to, like you said, get yourself down with like, oh, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. But if you can just say, yes, it's going to work, but these are the hurdles that we have to encounter and, and solve for, you know, everyone's mindset suddenly shifts and everyone's worried about and trying to figure out how to attack the problem instead of trying to, you know, uh, convince everyone else that the the ship's not going to fly. And sometimes it really takes that one person being the person who's going to stand out there and say, you know what, let's keep doing it. Let's pass this hurdle. I, I know personally, for me, I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm just a, a hyper DevOps enthusiast, Wikipedia article. Uh, but really, what has happened for, for me in my history is, I mean, I, I spent five years implementing config management at City. It's it's five years, and I remember when we first started, it was exactly what Matt was speaking to to people saying, "Well, I mean, this works on. I could see something like this kind of working on our Linux servers." But it's not really going to work on our Windows servers. Let's let's just not do it there. It's going to be easier for us to manage this by hand and submit tickets and just really tightly control it. And you know, after saying again and again, let's let's think about how this is going to work. Let's keep doing it. Sometimes we we kind of had to, you know, quite frankly, do it in secret and say, well, let's just keep track of the changes, even if our our managers are saying. Just do it. Just get it done because it needs to be done. This needs to go out to production. Being the person who wants to make that change, change happen and following through with that, even if that means you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there, does have an impact. And you absolutely can make the change. It might take you a little bit of time, but in the grand scheme of things, I mean, five years for a, a career of 20 or 30 years really isn't all that much. And it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I, I was, you, you probably heard the story that what you just talked about, maybe doing it in secret. There's my the story I like to tell about how I learned Chef out of spite, uh, <laughs> just because I was working for a person who told me that implementing Chef in our organization was going to cost us tens of thousands of dollars of training, and it would take at least a year. And you know, everyone was too dumb to be able to do it. That was reading between the lines. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to teach this to myself and I'm just going to write some chef to do our stuff. And I did that. And yeah, that uh, doing things out of spite for your boss is not 
always a good idea, by the way. I'm not recommending that by any means. <laughs> but it's a powerful motivator. It is. But hey, it got, I work at Chef now, so maybe you should do it. I don't know. <laughs> I am not a career advisor. Um, Turn so, your shitty boss into an asset. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, so we talked, a, we talked a little bit of things different in the place we've been. And Jerry, you started to allude to this, but I'd like to talk a little bit about like – what are some of the companies that like when we think like DevOps or cool tech or Chicago tech in general, who do we think about besides Grubhub, of course? Oh, all right. Forget it then. That's- yeah. You're like, I'm done. <laughs> Gogo is doing lots of good, interesting stuff. Um, Hyatt. Is Internet doing- listeners, raise your hand if you knew that Gogo was Chicago based. <laughs> you didn't. Hyatt is doing some interesting like conversions to Docker with all their sort of website stuff. Uh, Braintree. DRW, the trading company, is doing lots of... Bare metal DevOps. And then, I mean, ThoughtWorks is also... They've been doing DevOps-type stuff for a number of years, more on the consulting side. But, I mean, they have their own tools now that they sell and stuff, I mean, that that are focused on continuous delivery and all those things. I mean, so they they are definitely... They've bought into that. I mostly know the the ones that are at the meetups and and that are involved in, in... DevOps Day Chicago, but I know there are a lot of larger ones too that, that you probably have more experience with. There, there are a number of them out there that are, that are just doing some really interesting stuff. I think what Hyatt is doing is really uh, interesting in the way that they're sort of approaching it as this, you know, large organization with a bunch of history and legacy stuff, right? And they're they're sort of building their uh, they're sort of building this DevOps culture, you know, inside of the organization, right? And it, it, it's almost like a startup within a well-funded company. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it's it's really interesting about how they're approaching it. And I'm curious to see if other large companies adopt a similar model once they realize that it's time to sort of, you know, uh, blow the house up, so to speak, with a particular product or website or something like that. If they say, well, now's an opportunity to sort of like look at this DevOps thing and sort of institute it from the ground up at the very beginning or inception of a, of a new uh, group. Well, I know um I was at a meetup, like a new Relic meetup, I think last year, where U.S. Foods was talking about sort of their DevOps stuff. And I mean, U.S. Foods has been around for like a hundred years or something. It's it's a very old Chicago company, but they've been they started doing taking a DevOps approach to some degree, at least. Um, I don't know if that's still the case, but but definitely they were they started small, and I think that's definitely something that that I've seen work in a number of companies of like, hey, we have this new application, let's try and figure out this life cycle and all these things with this one application and then expand that out to the rest of your systems. Once you, once you have a a good thing in place, a good process, but I think it's tricky. Like you, you do have a little bit of a, of a dance you have to do there. So you don't fall into bimodal bullshit. Right. Like, I think there's the way to do that. Right. Where it's, you know, so like Jeff, you talk about like, Hey, it's like a startup within the other company. And if that's the way that you do that to prove it out, but then you figure out how you make that be the thing. And, you know, I know we're talking about Chicago and not the Midwest in general, but I'm going to overreach for a second and talk about target. Right. Like, cause that's like how target sort of did it and is doing it. And that's working well, right? Where they're like, okay, we had to start with our little dojo or a little specialness because you got to start somewhere, but it's everybody. That's not this bimodal bullshit, right? But that's what can happen, I think, if you're not careful with that approach, which is you have this like, okay, this group does that this way. The legacy is a legacy and they're, they're never the twain shall meet. And that's 
Right. This, Dangerous. This, this team has the good life, and yeah. these people are left dealing with all this old stuff. <laughs> yeah, I always look at bimodal as an end state versus this sort of transitional state that you're in. Because you're right, like, you know, some of these organizations, it, it's too large to just do it all at once, right? But to be able to do it, get a success, prove it out. Um, and then if nothing else, other managers will look at that and say like, wow, you know, I these guys that. are extreme. Right. I need that. I want that. These two guys are extremely efficient and I need to be a part of that. Uh, so again, you know, it sort of becomes infectious, hopefully. You pilot it like you pilot anything else, right? I mean, the thing, at the end of it, there was, it was Damon, I think, who made the joke a couple of years ago that was like, we need to rename this just to DevOps to common sense. Because the thing is, when you distill it down, it sounds so simple, right? Like, make a thing that's better and people will want the thing. That that's that's what DevOps adoption. That's all you need to know. When you want to figure out how to drive DevOps adoption in your company, prove it. Do a thing with it, and then everybody will want that thing. It's the same thing about how we did agile adoption when it was success. If, it, if you do it successfully, right, you pilot it, and you stack the deck for that pilot, right. You pick the right people that'll make it kick ass and all this stuff, and then it will perform. And then everyone's going to go. Other teams are going to go. Well, hell, I want that thing. I want the magic button. You know, and but then the challenge is to make them realize that it's not actually just a magic button. It's a change of work, right? And that's going all the way back to John Alspa and the 10 deploys a day talk, right? Where everybody missed his point. And they're like, oh, cool. You're deploying 10 times a day. Let me see the button that lets you do that. He's like, that's not the point. (laughs) (laughs) The point is not the button. (laughs) I was thinking too, with like tech going on in Chicago, I don't know if any of the rest of you have this experience, but I remember, Jerry, was it like over the summer, there was like some, no, it must've been whenever, whenever, okay. Again, not a sports guy. Still tied one-to-one, by the way. Um, Whenever brackets happen, that's in the sprint, right? Someone did like a bracket thing of like Chicago startups. And I remember going through it and going, I know two of these. And I supposedly like know this industry. Like, did anybody else have that experience? Well, I I had even the experience because I don't know if it was that bracket or there there was another one shortly after that, I want to say about like the Chicago unicorns, like the billion dollar companies. And I had no idea who most of them were. I'm like, how is that possible? Right. I mean, it's like, you're, you're, you're DevOps thought leaders of Chicago, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Yeah, I I definitely had that feeling. I think that's the thing is besides the, the, the unicorns or whatever, again, like even when you're talking about Gogo, I think there's a lot of companies that would surprise some people either a, that they're here. And that was, I think the experience that Paul Reed had at DevOps days, Chicago in 2014, where he's like, Hey, I was talking to someone from LL Bean, right? I didn't even know that was like a Chicago company, you know, that they were doing, maybe it wasn't LL Bean. And now I'm going to totally screw it up. Whatever. Paul, if you listen to the show, tell me what I said wrong. But there are also, I think, I think you'd see, you'd be surprised by some of the organizations that seem more traditional in the Chicago area that really have started to embrace this change. Are they, I mean, Hyatt is, again, is a good example, right? I mean, that's a hotel, right? I mean, that's pretty, again, we do one thing. We put people in rooms and charge them money to be in the room. You know, like it, it, there's not, you know, you don't think about them as cutting edge technology necessarily, at least not if you travel in hotels a lot, you definitely don't think of hotels as being very technology cutting edge. If you've had to be on their networks. 
I was just going to say, like, McDonald's is a local Chicago company that has been uh, really, I mean, just an overall digital investment, really pushing towards how they're how they're doing that. Uh, Walgreens, which, again, it's one of those Chicago local as me, like, I just assume there's a Walgreens every 20 feet, like, countrywide. Apparently, that's only here in Chicago, but they exist pretty far, right? I mean, and even companies, even like the mercantile exchange. I mean, that's the thing about Chicago. Chicago is known for a trading city, right? Like the Merc, it's a pretty big deal. They're adopting and have been adopting a very DevOps oriented kind of approach to stuff because they have to move with velocity, with safety. And I think that's just an interesting thing. For me, it's not just the Merck, it's also other financial institutions that I see. I, I happen to be across from the Fed, and I know I, I used to see Morningstar reports when I was at, uh, at at Fitch, and Morningstar has a really pretty amazing startup process where devs rotate to various teams, and you know they're, they're doing this before DevOps is a thing, and they're doing it because, like like you said, Matt, it, it just makes sense. It makes it so much easier for as I'm developing an application, I'm thinking about, man, I remember that that time I was on the ops team and, and how much it stunk that I could not get diagnostic messages out of my app. I mean, they're a financial services company, and they're doing that right now. Well, one thing I, I, we didn't get into is the whole notion of all the other incubator ones, like 1871, which are the cutting-edge type ones, these small startups that are doing lots of really interesting things. Because they, they are doing the more West Coast, like starting from scratch, where you can do all the, the latest, greatest technologies and stuff and put them into, into production right away and start building your applications. Um, but yeah, 1871, like there are a number of companies there that are doing just great work. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I, I was part of a couple of like startup challenges and uh, I was when I went into it, I was so focused on the technology, you know, not knowing anything about like what it takes to, to build a startup or anything. I'm assuming it's like this everywhere, but it felt very Midwest the way they were like, you know, I, I don't want to hear about your technology right now. I, I want to hear about like your business, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> what can you do to get this thing going right now? Like, uh, what can you do? What is the minimum, minimum, minimum viable thing that you can do? I thought that was a, it was a very interesting and, and, uh, and, great experience for me to kind of go through this, but also to see like some of the other ideas that people are coming up with and coming up with sort of creative solutions for how they can deliver their product without actually investing a lot in technology. Um, so I, I think that's something that 1871 is, is brought to the city uh, and, and we're going to see some great companies coming out of it. They also provide the fact that I say the number different every time I refer to it, because I can never remember what everybody knows <laughs> what I'm talking about. So that's good. <laughs> Be like seventy five point seven, whatever. It's like a radio station. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we are nearing the end of our episode, so we need to wrap this up. Uh, the one thing I would like to point out uh, that I think is probably the coolest thing about the DevOps community in Chicago is that the DevOps meetup here has the best URL. We actually have meetup.com slash DevOps. So to me, that means that we invented DevOps in Chicago, I might say. Feel free to take that quote out of context. But that being said, you probably have a pretty awesome meetup in your city you should check out for sure. But speaking of checkouts, Jeff, what do you have for our listeners 
to check out? Uh, so I was recently reading about Netflix's uh, new OSS project, Winston, which is basically uh, automated run books for recovery in particular failure scenarios. Um, it reminded me of a uh, of an actual, I think they were a sponsor at the 2015 DevOps days for uh, Neptune.io. Um, but basically it's a great way for you to sort of automate some of these recovery tasks that are pretty standard that happen all the time. Oh, when we have this issue, we need to clear the number of, you know, busy DB connections in the C3PO library, but automating these things that, you know, you kind of do automatically all the time. Uh, you can document that, put it into a run book and use either Winston or Neptune IO to, uh, you know, kind of take the human out of that. So uh, that's one that I would say, check out. And then if you're also, if you're in the city of Chicago, uh, we've started a DevOps book club that we actually do in person. Uh, last month, we read the Google site reliability engineering handbook. Uh, this, this month by popular demand, we're reading the Phoenix project. There were a lot of people that haven't read that. So, um, if you've been looking for an excuse to pick that book up, now you've got one. Check out uh, uh, meetup.com slash DevOps and uh, join the book club. Sweet. Jerry. So mine is my checkouts are basically hours and hours of videos. Um, <laughs> first, uh, the videos for DevOps Day Chicago have been posted online. Yeah, we did that. The program and sort of watch them. There are some great talks, ignites, everything. Um, I've just started going over them again because when you're there, you don't get a chance to really be focused on some of the talks and definitely worth worthwhile. And then uh, the second one is a Vimeo page for Spantree, which is basically a meetup recording company that also happens to do consulting. I don't know if you've based in Chicago. They record tons and tons of meetups in Chicago. <laughs> and, and I just, is, I just got that. They, they, they uh, have videos from basically, I'd say at least ten or fifteen different Chicago meetups, and definitely worth uh, going there and, and watching some of them. Cool, Samir. You got some I am still. I am still getting such a kick out of Edmund Lau's The Effective Engineer. It's If you've read Time Management for Sysadmins, it's a lot like that, but more of a developer, an engineer perspective, fantastic book. I am sitting on the edge of my seat waiting for the Halloween finale of uh, the Edgar Allan Poe murder, murder mystery dinner party series. Uh, it's a fantastic little web series. series and just great. I can't wait for it to end. And then finally, I am in love with Arm Visio. It's a way to visualize any of your Azure Arm templates and it just makes such a big difference. Uh, not only to see, you know, when you've got a big Arm template, it makes a huge difference to see how it's, it's all going to look before you put it together. Cool. So we'll have, and again, all these things we're talking about, there'll be links in the show notes at arrestdevops.com slash Windy City. My checkouts, first of all, just discovered that there is a Stormtrooper-shaped whiskey decanter based on the original molds. I'll put a link in the show notes. Or just Google, you need this Stormtrooper whiskey decanter in your life, and that'll take you to the SoBadSoGood.com site. It's not really a checkout. Like People don't know this, but I'm just going to tell you that Hamilton is awesome, and I saw it last week, I think. It's in previews here in Chicago. Jerry, you've already seen it, and you're going again, or what's your story with that? I saw it. 
I guess a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, um, and seeing it again with some friends in like March of next year. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Chicago cast is pretty, I don't, I mean, I don't know anything about the New York cast other than the recordings, but you know, it's super great. But again, like who doesn't already know that. And then also something that I think is super fun is if I've been watching, uh, I don't know if anybody else been watching Westworld on HBO. I love the original film. <laughs> it's so campy. And the new one is just super well done. So I've been enjoying that a lot. Another win from the Hibbos. So guests, uh, is there, uh, where can people find you on the internets or in real life if you're going to any uh, upcoming events? You can find me at uh, Dark and Nerdy on Twitter, uh, and you can check out my often not updated blog <laughs> at uh, allthingsdork.com. Yeah, those are probably the best two places to find me. You can find me at uh, jcatel on Twitter, two T's and two L's, and then uh, pretty much at any DevOps meetup. So right, I think we just discussed in the green room that you're not making it to any more DevOps days this year, probably, right? Probably not. Yeah, I'll me. probably make the reinvent but probably no more demos this year. So Samir, and where can people find you online besides Wikipedia eventually? (laughs) (laughs) I, if you want to find me online, you can find me on Twitter. It's Samir S. Doshi. So S A M E E R S Doshi. If you are trying to find me, <laughs> if you're trying to find me in person, you can probably find me at the DevOps Book Club that I just heard about. That sounds amazing. Uh, and also, if you if you happen to see me in Chicago, because we are a small place, and say hello, I probably will not see you. By the way, three to one Cubs right now. <laughs> Addison Russell, boom, home run. Thank you. I'm not going anywhere. Interesting upcoming, but there are some cool upcoming DevOps days. So uh, DevOps Days Ohio is uh, October 31st and November 1st. So Halloween, scary DevOps. DevOps Days Madison is right on the coattails of that guy. Uh, November 2nd. Uh, Bangalore is November 4th. So right after that one. And right after that is Cape Town, November 7th. And Nashville will be November 10th. I really had hoped to be able to make it down to Nashville. I also, sorry, also had really hoped to go to Madison too. So sorry, Madison friends. I'm not throwing shade at you. And if you're looking to speak, uh, DevOps Days Baltimore's uh, CFP is still open until December 9th. And you can find out about all these DevOps Days and more at DevOps days.org. Also upcoming is the FutureStack conference. So you can check that out at futurestack.io. I don't remember exactly when it is, but go look online. You've got the internet. I totally spaced too, because I was staring at the Cub score. Uh, I'll be speaking to DevOps Days Madison. Oh, Uh, so you'll uh, be there. Yeah, so I'll be there. So if you're there, come say hi. What are you talking about, Jeff? Interestingly enough, I'll be talking about a uh, starting with C, you know, how to implement the DevOps culture from the ground up. Oh, cool. I'm looking forward to watching that video sometime. Uh, so, yeah. So ch- uh, head over to ArrestedDevOps.com slash Windy City for this episode's show notes. Uh, the site's also got how you can get on our newsletter, check out our merchandise, support us on Patreon. Um, I got to tell you, somebody on uh, a Slack I was on the other day was like, wow, I didn't even know you had a Patreon. I'm like, really? I thought we were obnoxious about it. So apparently I'm not as spammy as I thought I was. But yeah, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash DevOps. And yeah, so Jeff, Jerry, and Samir, thank you uh, for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. I hope you had fun. Yeah, thanks. Had a great time. Okay. So with that being said, this is this, these endings are always weird when I'm by myself. So anyway, I'm Matt. 
at Matt Stratton. This is Arrested DevOps. And remember, there's always DevOps in the banana stand.